in turn, it left millions of us in an epidemic. I mean, we're in an eating disorder epidemic is, is how I look at it. And I don't want to take away from the opiate epidemic actually being an epidemic, but uh, eating disorders are, I think they're one of the most prevalent mental health issues in, I think so much of it goes undiagnosed because people can't afford fucking treatment in this country or in England or in Canada or other places either. And so millions of us just walk around with disordered eating at best and eating disorders at worst that we either have to climb our way out of through our own means or that we end up do getting to get help, but then we're in debt for the help that we've been trying to get when it feels a lot like kind of that it was inevitable that a lot of us even fell into it in the first place. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 108 of The Pod. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, your host extraordinaire. <laughs> um, and uh, how y'all doing? For real, though. How you doing? How you hanging in? Um, I uh, I know that it's been a wild, wild time. A wild time. And um, I'm so excited to share today's episode with you, especially as we um, are heading into uh, at least American Thanksgiving next week and the holiday season um, because uh, as you know from last week me sharing about my eating disorder recovery journey for the first time and uh, top to bottom and all the in-betweens um, I have had a very long history of, um, of that and navigating that and I know that the holidays can be a wildly triggering time for all of us and I think especially this year um, given the, the world we are living in and how so many of my friends, I've been talking with so many of my humans about holidays shifting and needing to adjust, you know, any kind of plans. Um, I, I've personally <laughs> had basically zero plans to see my family for many, many months given the pandemic. Um, I just knew that that was going to be the case for a myriad of reasons. Um, and celebrating the first holiday season with uh with uh you know kev and and um and in this big old house um <laughs> of ours all by ourselves um but i actually am you know finding trying to find the the joy in that um and the appreciation in that um and know that there will always be another year you know um even though i haven't seen my family uh in a really really long time um so i just want you to know i'm here with you and um we're not going to have an episode next week. I'm, I'm taking the week off for um, for Thanksgiving um, and just to really just unplug and be present um, in my own life. And I, I, I recommend you doing the same um, if it feels aligned for your heart and if you can find the time and space um, to just breathe and, um, and soak in this, this podcast episode because it's truly, um, truly a game changer. Um, and also, if it feels good, um, I wanted to let you all know before we hop into – this amazing episode with Lindsay, um, that, uh, I, I received a lot of messages on Instagram after the live your fuck yes life summit, um, closed out. If you're listening to this in real time, um, 
the first official first uh, Live Your Fuck Yes Life virtual summit um, happened uh, last weekend, this last weekend on the 14th of November. And um, it was a day of so much magic and the incredible, incredible guest speakers um, that got to share their gifts um, and um, and really pour into every single person that was in the space was I, I just I personally I treated the day as a student too, even though I facilitated the whole day and and put it together. You know, I I wanted to learn and experience um, everything too because I'm in it with you, as you as I always say and. It was so, 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 so amazing and so transformative and such a beautiful reminder that we have everything we need inside of us and a beautiful reminder to slow down and to find space to ground into ourselves so that we can have our external life reflect what we actually want, right? Live our fuck yes life. And um, and it just was, ugh, I get so emotional talking about it because I have had it in my brain and my vision to uh, hold something like that for a long time. And um, to see it come to fruition and honestly, like, exceed my expectations by a million degrees and really fully exist exactly as my vision was, was um, was just so beautiful to, uh, to witness. Um, and many of you have reached out on Instagram um, and, and let me know that because of the world and the pandemic and the election and just life right now, like 2020, am I right, um, that you hadn't you know, gotten it together to get a ticket and that you really wanted to be there and, and, and were really bummed that you missed out. And so I asked all of you on my Instagram stories if you would want to be able to get access to the replay because a lot of people that signed up pre-ahead um, knew that they were going to, you know, watch the replays later and not be a part of it live. And half, I think half of the people that were in were watching it live and the other half were watching the replays. It's still just as potent as amazing that way. And originally I hadn't planned on you know, extending it past the deadline, but so many of you reached out. And if there's anything 2020 has taught me, it's that we just need to give as much as we can um, of the light. <laughs> and when the light exists, it needs to exist in abundance. So with that said, I have opened up um, the ability to hop into the space and um, get replay tickets. Um, it's You're literally going to experience it exactly as it was live, um, just in the Facebook group a little bit later. The community is still in there. Um, the incredible humans that are in that space are just I don't even know how to put into words um, witnessing their magic um, and you'll get access to all of the sessions um, via the private Facebook group um, once you snag your ticket so all you have to do is go to amandacatherineloy.com forward slash summit and click that button um, you'll have to put in your email just so that I know who is who and that you got your ticket. So once you join the Facebook group, you'll be asked a quick question. Um, and that's it. Um, all you got to do is pay the $29 and you're in the space um, for life and get to experience that magic and come back to the sessions when you need that grounding. Because um, I know many of us have already done that um, this week. Um, again, that's amandacatherineloy.com forward slash summit. Or you can just go to the show notes. Um, it's right there for you to make it super easy. So Looking forward to seeing all of um, your hearts in there and uh, know you're so not alone. And hopefully it'll help you ground through the madness that is the holiday season because fuck, dude, does anyone else just feel so chaotic? I know personally it's a time where um, in my recovery journey, um, um, especially around food and my body and 
you know, just all the stuff that holidays can bring up, um, stress and uh, anxiety. Food um, has been a really challenging thing for me to navigate and holidays have been really triggering for me for a lot of reasons. And, you know, I recorded this conversation with Lindsay actually right as I came out as Polly, which is funny. Um, uh, We were talking about that before we went live um, and I didn't remember that until we were recording. Um, But I... I've had this human in my 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 space and um, my feed on Instagram for years um, because she is, I believe, the the leading advocate um, around eating disorder awareness and healing, and also around you know body toxicity and diet culture and um, she, her writing it always, always speaks to my heart um, as somebody who's navigating the cycles of eating disorder, but also just as somebody who has a body. And um, today's conversation is so, I just can't wait for you to deep dive. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut the fuck up soon, I promise, and let you, let you ingest this magic. Um, but if you're unfamiliar with her work, I want to make sure you really um, understand who this human is because she, I, I see her as this like, combination of truth teller and tender-hearted soul with a heart of gold and I know her words and this conversation are going to seep into your soul as much as they did for me. Um, so if you are not familiar with Lindsay, Lindsay Hall, uh, she, her, uh, those are her pronouns, um, is an award-winning eating disorder recovery speaker and writer and she focuses on what she refers to as the nitty-gritty topics often not discussed. She struggled with an eating disorder for many, many years, and she's actively been in recovery since 2014 and is the author behind I Haven't Shaved in Six Weeks, an award-winning blog written to humanize the stigmas of eating disorders, treatment, PCOS, and recovery. Through her writing, she has had the privilege of speaking around the world on nuanced topics such as body dysmorphic disorder, drunkorexia, exercise addiction, orthorexia, and other eating disorder behaviors, and has been featured in publications including Today Show, CBS, Washington Post, Bustle, Cosmopolitan, Women's Health, She Knows, I mean, we go on and on and on. Um, her future dreams in recovery advocacy are focused on owning and converting a van to take it on the road so she can report on treatment centers and eating disorder resources around the country in a dream she's envisioned as recovery on the road. Uh, Currently, she resides in Boulder, Colorado with her Benjamin Button rescue dog. (laughs) The vets have no idea what his age is. Um, A lovable runt kitten and a lovely community of folks around her. Um, She's incredible and I personally am just so grateful to call her uh, a friend and an ally in this space, and uh, I I just I adore I adore her I adore her and I adore everything that she posts and it constantly hits home for me, um, and so I know it will for you too. No matter if you personally feel like you've struggled with an eating disorder or just uh, have struggled to love your body, um, and and come to uh, come to that space and and we talk about a lot of things today. Um, all around that and so much more. So without further ado, let's just get on into the goods. All right. So here we go. Hi, Lindsay. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. (laughs) I'm so, you guys, I know so many of you are like itching to this, to hear this conversation. I like announced it to some of my people that you were coming on the podcast and, and I got so many DMs being like, I'm fangirling hard. God, man, thanks for stroking my ego today. (laughs) No, I mean it though. And like, I, I also personally feel a little bit like a fangirl right now. I mean, I think you have, 
made such a dent in the eating disorder community and and act and are truly like an activist in a way that I don't see other people approaching this space and as somebody who personally has navigated many 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 and a lot of my community is also in that boat and either doing like navigating it now or have in the past um I just know people are really excited that you're here so yeah I'm I'm super excited so for those of you who like may not know or be familiar familiar with Lindsay's work can you just share a little bit about like what you do and and why this this arena and this avenue has you know been your calling I guess yeah. So to make a longer story short, um, I suffered with the eating disorder. I call it the cycle. Um, I lived in the cycle of an eating disorder for about eight years, uh, from about 16 to 24. At 24, I kind of had my like, I can't live like this anymore moment. And um, yeah. and I went to treatment for an eating disorder in Florida for six weeks. So from that experience, I started a blog called I Haven't Shaved in Six Weeks. Uh, because what I noticed at that time, I think it's changed a little bit, but in 2014, I was looking around for resources about what treatment would be like. Um, all I had was like the Virgin Suicides movie or like, mm. or clinical articles about treatment. But yeah. like, I could not find anybody humanizing like what the fuck we were going to do in treatment. Like who was like, what, like. I didn't know we weren't allowed to shave, hence I haven't shaved in since six weeks because they took my raise. And obviously it makes sense, but I didn't know that then. Totally. So there's all these little like nitty gritty things about treatment that I, I'm a writer. I studied writing. Like that's, that's always been my, the only thing I've always felt passionate about is writing. And mm-hmm. so while I was in treatment, I just started taking notes about the people and the environment and what we did every day and the bananagram games and like what we ate and I decided to write some short stories about it. Um, so it started as nine short stories, just trying to humanize what the day-to-day was like and uh, commenting on the beautiful women. Mine was an all-female um, facility, um, just commenting, or, like just talking about them and the friendships that I built while I was in there mm-hmm. and my own process of growth, et cetera. And uh, yeah, those blogs back then kind of went social media, I guess, you know, shares and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, back when Facebook was still a huge thing. Totally. Now I feel like it's more Instagram. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and blogging was still like a really big platform. Totally. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of built this um, little world that I didn't ever mean to do. It was kind mm-hmm. of just for myself. And I came out on Facebook and just started owning that I had had an eating disorder. And when people started getting back to me being like, oh my God, so did I, so did my mm. sister, my brother, but you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I realized like a lot more people should be writing about this and now we're flooded with eating disorder people, totally. so, which is great. Our society's changing, totally. but at, at the time it still felt like there wasn't a whole lot of transparency in the ED community. Um, so yeah, that's where it all started and it's led into, you know, media and, and, and all this other fun shit I've gotten to do and being on podcasts like this. No, I love it. I, it's so funny. I, I I knew like some of your your background, but like I didn't realize the dates lined up so much with my own like 2014 was my like peak eating disorder time where I was like, I can't enough is enough mm-hmm. and like totally turned everything around in 2015 and started that process to like healing, which does not happen overnight and it takes yeah. a long time um, to do that. And I just, I just think it's so interesting that I, I remember feeling the same way. I remember feeling so lost and like, there was nobody talking about it. And, you know, I, I feel, I personally navigated like a different sector of, of eating disorder than like often people go to treatment centers for, like I didn't 
go to a treatment center. Maybe I should have. I have no idea. But like binge eating was my was my thing. Um, and I definitely also like over exercised um, to a def- to a deficit for sure, and and would often eat very little throughout the day. So like I had a as you say cycle, for yeah. sure. Which I want to get into that because I've never heard anyone else talk about it that way before. Um, but I just love that I love that you just turned your your pain and your suffering into your message. Yeah, you know. I, you know, some people I seem to know, always know what they're doing with their, with their life or with their writing. I certainly didn't. (laughs) I didn't start writing thinking that it would lead to what it's led to. And I feel grateful for that every single day, despite how difficult sometimes writing on the internet can be. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I'm thankful for it still every day. And I think it's been a wonderful process of, of being able to watch my own growth unfold throughout the last seven years that I've been in recovery. Um, and also to notice like how much recovery has shifted, just, you know, how much like body positivity has come into play and the shit that I wrote seven years ago, a lot of it, I wouldn't write now, uh, just in the climate that we're in, which is fine. It's just a learning curve. And so there's, there's things I've had, I've had to go back and archive because Mm. I'm not, I wouldn't stand by my message then. Um, especially around alcohol. That's a big one that I used to flippantly write about. And now I feel totally different about the alcohol community and alcohol in general. So, you know, it's just been interesting to get to track it, I guess, through writing throughout the last seven years and how yeah. different, how much we evolve. In totally. Our- I think that's really, really cool. And like something I hadn't even really thought about in that sense. Cause I, I mean, I also was a blogger back in the day and I'm sure if I go back to my old blog posts, I'll be like, no, I don't even even like two years ago, some of the shit I was writing, I'm like, I don't really feel these things anymore. They don't, you know, it's because we evolve so deeply and so quickly sometimes. Um, So it's really, really interesting. The cycle piece of it, I want to dive into that because I had never heard anyone discuss recovery or eating disorders in that manner. What, like, can you explain a little bit about what you mean by that and, and, and how that came to be for you? Yeah. You know, that's evolved too. Um, I think definitely back when I first started writing about recovery, I wanted to, I positioned myself as someone that was recovering from anorexia primarily, Yeah. but I always had all these other behaviors as well. Um, but it was easier to write about anorexia because anorexia is kind of the favored disease out of all of them to talk about and it gets the most traction. Um, and I'd be lying if I said I didn't gear some of my blog writing at, at times towards anorexia because it did create more engagement which is something I've had to grapple with, you know, Mm. it's it's just a truth that I've had to grapple with. And so when I started to kind of grapple with like, was like, I don't feel like I was really totally in anorexia all the time. I did all of it. So the way, the only way I knew how to start talking about it was talking about it like a cycle because I, I like, I, there weren't, I didn't like not eat enough for eight years. There were times I did eat enough. There were times I overate. There was consistent over exercising there was purging that came in and out I hated purging but I would still do it every now and then so really what I looked at is like I binge ate often because I restricted too much or because I took off foods off the table and wouldn't allow myself to have those foods etc etc so really it just became one knotted cycle and that's the best way I can wrap up my experience instead of just saying it was anorexia because that's not true it just wasn't it was everything and some people do have maybe primarily one behavior. But for most of us, I would say generally we all live in a cycle of eating disorder behaviors. I feel like I'm getting 
so I'm getting choked up hearing you talk about this because it's bringing me back to my personal experience of this, which I, you know, I always say I'm, I'm a recover, like in recovery still. I don't think you ever really stop recovering. Um, Mm -hmm. even if you maybe don't have the same habits that you once did around that. Um, but I, I remember for me for the longest time, for years and years and years, having the hardest time even putting a name to what I was going through because I was like, well, I, I don't feel like I'm anorexic. I'm not bulimic. And like those were the, the fad ones. You know, you say like anorexia was like the thing. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't really feel like that fully exemplifies what I'm navigating. If anything, that was like a smaller piece of my personal puzzle. And I remember feeling so at a loss because I was like, I, if I can't name it, how can I help myself? Totally. And it leads to that, that perspective of not being sick enough, because if you don't match that one thing, it's, it's too, you know, eating disorders are black and white, like people that have eating disorders often think in black and white thinking. And so we don't start to normalize the idea of a cycle, especially with medical providers and treatment providers too, then a lot of us aren't going to seek help because we don't think that we perfectly match one thing. And I just, the more I talk about it, the more people I meet, the more stories like yours I hear, the more I'm utterly fucking convinced that most people, not all, but most people go through a cycle. I was about to ask because I see that in my clients every Mm -hmm. single day. I see that. I don't know that I've met a woman who hasn't in some capacity navigate. So how, how, like, what do you like how do you even start with that because if we we live in a society right now where we're maybe it's just our generation that was so perpetuated to the diet culture narrative like i i mean i grew up with magazines that were showcasing like the perfect body and like all of the tmz tabloid shit and everything with celebrities around diets and like it was peak diet central um like do you think that that's a generational thing? Do you think that like that's still existing now? Like, get start. You know, when you look at the history of of diet culture, that's a very generalized term, so I'm using that loosely. Totally. Uh, but I, there's a really huge shift if you do, and, and I don't want to be completely quoted. Like, I, I'm not the Bible on this, but I, the research I've done on it is really when gyms started franchising, and that was I think back in the 80s. And it was when Jane, um, Jane Fonda started doing yeah. her home videos and Richard, what's his face. And, uh, you know, they all started yeah. doing those home videos, marketing towards diet for, towards like fitness in general started becoming a big, huge trend. Um, there was already diet culture shit that was happening in the fifties and sixties, but they okay. didn't have the platforms to do it the way that we have the platforms to do it now. So yeah, I actually do believe that our generation in particular, the millennial generation, I think we got it the worst, um, yeah. out of out of all of it i think that now the next generation struggles with social media addiction and comparison through that which is a totally different ball game that seems i'm not sure i don't think any's worse or better i just think it's their own plight that they're gonna have to deal with but um but our generation i think is the generation of body toxicity (laughs) and like the extreme fitness all those extreme diet fads happened to us in the 90s when we were all impressionable children that were taking in messaging our mothers were starting to like and fathers too i mean you know it affects all genders yeah but our parents were starting to 
take in some of that messaging and pass it on to us unknowingly because they weren't, you know, they didn't have the psychological research on it. So yeah, I think our generation is the one that got fucked the hardest, <laughs> if uh, to put it lightly. I, about I agree. I totally agree. And like, I, I feel like it happened at, at, like you said, such an impressionable age where it was almost inevitable that yeah. we fall it's, into that trap. But there's very few people in my life that haven't dealt with diet culture in some way or haven't like haven't experienced disordered eating patterns whether it's disordered fitness or disordered eating in some way too mm-hmm. and uh, and that leads me I'm more and more convinced that a lot of us grew up watching Nicole Richie and Paris Hilton and that kind of shit in tabloids talking about whether or not they were anorexic and totally. this and that and yeah we all absorbed that messaging even if we didn't want to so I'm convinced totally. all of us have a little bit of of diet like we all are like indoctrinated with it <laughs> yeah so that being said if that is true which I I would also argue to say that it is where do we even start to support ourselves or get support around that um because I know that that was very challenging for me to begin to understand and ultimately like I think a lot of it had to do with a lot of inner work which is why I preached the shit out of that. But like, I think we often don't know where to even go. So what would you say in that space? Yeah, it's like, you know, it's so multifaceted of different things and not everything works for every person. Yeah. Um, Really all I can do is like relate it to my own experience. And, and as, as there's been more and more resources that are out there, um, a huge thing that I do, I don't read magazines. Like I don't read any of like gossip column me celeb shit. I don't follow celebrities on, on Instagram or Facebook. I don't follow fitness models. I definitely don't follow them. I just don't follow anything that makes me feel like shit. And I know we keep hearing that message over and over again, but it's, it's there for, we a, hear reason. It for a reason. Totally. Yeah. Like I, I'm a much happier person, not following celebrities and seeing their glamorous lives. Like I am a much happier person not following a fitness model. Like I don't need to see that shit. And I, but I'm in that same regard. I'm not going to go seek it out and troll it either because I don't like their messaging. And that was something I wrote about yesterday, actually, Mm -hmm. that sparked some interesting feedback. But I, I do feel like if you're out there looking for reasons to be mad about diet culture, you're going to find them very easily. So I think it's in a lot of ways it's insulating myself from toxicity Mm. uh, or what I view as toxicity and others may not, but Mm. I do. So I think it's a lot of that. Um, I've, you know, I love the community. I love the recovery community. I think that I follow a lot of really influential people that are really doing some interesting shit. Um, But I don't always have to take every single message that they say as fact. Um, A lot of us, you know, like I have, I have my own little platform and not everything I say is fact. Like people can disagree and do disagree with me all the time. Yeah. And that is totally fine. As long as it's done in a, like a way that we can have a, a conscientious way. Yeah. Totally. A conscious, conscious conversation about it. Cause usually I hear people and if mm-hmm. I've said something in an, you know, triggering or offensive way, then I'll learn from it and I'll do better. Totally. But I do think the recovery community has been a huge part of mm-hmm. a lot of us being able to grow inner beliefs educating myself reading about it especially reading how like a lot of times fat phobia has come has stemmed out of racism Mm -hmm. that kind of shit really just blows my mind and then I'm like oh my god I don't want to contribute to this bullshit I want to be I want to have if I if I have children 
one day I want to have children that I'm not indoctrinating them with the same fucking messaging and I'm going to teach them to look at the world in a lot of different ways and not just one way but in a lot of different perspectives so I think that's really beautiful though the fact that you're I think that this is something we all need to take more of an initiative around and I certainly know that this is something I'm personally trying to work on a lot is constantly being open to being wrong yeah and and that you know what we say today might not resonate in a week six months a year and that we can own that for ourselves you know because I think so often we look at you know people that we consider to be influential or people who have like large followings on Instagram or celebrities whatever and we think that like they are like the be all end all and that if they say one wrong thing it's problematic and I think what's problematic is when the wrong thing is said and it's not then talked about you know consciously and say and like there's a literal saying like oh yeah like I said this and I misspoke and I want to I want to reframe this because I've been having conversations around it in an open way versus just like well that's my position and I'm sticking fucking to it like I think there's a very big difference with that and I love that you point that out and I love that that's something that you are trying to implement in your own life both online and offline I think that's beautiful yeah because you know the the other thing too is I guess this is just more of an evolution. This isn't, this can't be like, this can't be, this isn't a tip I can give somebody because it all happens in your own process. And I'm sure, I think you'll relate to this just knowing what I know from you on Instagram. (laughs) But um, there's also like a feeling of like the more in recovery, the longer that I've been in it, the less I give a fuck what other people think as Mm -hmm. long as I know that, or not know, but as long as I am always trying to be a nice person or like I'm trying to be a conscious person I'm trying to learn I don't give a fuck what people think as much as I used to and that has been a really liberating thing and it's also very hard it cannot just happen overnight totally and yeah but to not give a fuck is also a shield so it can be both there's giving a fuck where you need to learn from your own shit and like you know like I'm not like like it's like a fine line it's like I don't give a fuck but I do give a fuck if I've hurt somebody. Completely. Yeah. It's <laughs> um, like, the, I'm going to stand by my message and my mission. And also I'm going to care about these yeah, humans. Yeah. Because I'm a sensitive person and I do get, yeah. you know, like I do, I don't want to hurt people. Yeah. Um, I don't want to misspeak, but it happens and I have to learn from it. Totally. So yeah, it's like where you say it's like that growth and like understanding that you're going to fuck up and um, hopefully you have a community around you that can call you out in a way that you can learn. Totally. I love that. I'm curious, because you are so inundated in the recovery space, what your perspective is around health and fitness in general. Um, Because I know personally, like, health and fitness was the thing that kind of sparked my eating disorder, but it's also in a way what sparked my recovery. And so I'm curious what your belief around that space is, because I think it can be a fine line for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a that's a hard one to answer because I I am afraid I'll misspeak. So let me I'm kind of diving through this answer. Yeah, just <laughs> um, say what comes to your heart. Yeah, I I think what I'm tired of is I'm tired of anti diet diet like anti diet influencers continuing to harp on the fact that we can eat chocolate chocolate and ice cream because I think when you're calling out certain foods as rebelling against diet culture you're still 
drawing massive attention to those foods and giving them more value than they need to have. Yeah, the good or um, bad morality attached to them. Yeah, yeah. Or even and even saying this isn't bad food is almost still counterproductive of like being like, okay, can we just stop naming certain foods? And like, mm-hmm. I'm tired of seeing inmates because I'm so inundated in it. Yeah. But I'm like sick of the post where someone's eating a donut being like, I'm eating donuts. And I'm like, okay, can we stop giving value to this shit? Like, it, food is food. I don't think that there's any weight. There shouldn't be this scale of it or this this rebellion against it or that. But I, and I know that their message is meaningful. Like, I know they're trying to do the right thing. And that totally the intention is, so, is pure. Of the impact yeah, may not inten- be. Yeah, the intention is pure, but it becomes really, it becomes a lot to absorb um, on a feed. And I follow like 1900 people, which is way too many, but I don't go through and unfollow people. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, like I just don't. Yeah. Um, so I'm inundated with a lot of like, like anti-diet messaging and it can almost have this interesting reverse effect of being mm-hmm. like, oh my God, yeah, I get it. I can eat ice cream. I'm well aware. Like I'm, I eat ice cream a lot and I don't need to like keep being reinforced that it's like an act of rebellion. It's not, it's just food. Yeah. So I feel a lot I don't know I feel a lot of different things about about it I still like movement um I think our recovery community can sometimes be quick to jump on people for their movement you know and this and that um yeah I don't care if you're tone or fit or if you want to work out I care about if you're doing it in a way that you can still exist in your life and not feel like it's a constant distraction or guilt if you're not Um, but it's not my business otherwise what you're doing and and so I feel yeah I think movement movement in my life is very important Mm. Um, but I also have a fine line like I struggle with the gym and I left the gym in quarantine and it was fucking too haven't been in a gym since 2015 and it's been the best thing ever yeah yeah I've found that it's been the best it's been one of the best shifts I've had in the seven years and I've talked about it openly but it was a blind spot for sure I think I've been addicted to exercise off and on throughout even recovery, um, at least, at least mentally addicted. Yeah. Uh, And that's been a tough thing to swallow as I enter year seven, but leaving the gym was beautiful and it gave me a lot. I started practicing yoga every day and Mm. that is like mind boggling change in my recovery. I'll never go back. I love yoga so much and it has helped my back. It has helped things. It just helped a lot, but I didn't, I didn't give myself the space to even try that shit. Cause I was kind of addicted to like the routine of being at the gym a few days a week. So. Mm. Yeah. I super, super identify with that. And I also, it's interesting because I think I, I think in some ways we have varying perspectives around movement. I, I think, I think for me, like movement used to be, I think what you said about guilt and shame and the reasons we're doing it is the key for me in what you said, because I think at the core of it, when I was working out for reasons that were to, you know, uh, (laughs) work off the meals I ate or whatever, um, I was doing it because I felt like I needed to look a certain way to be happy. And the reason behind it and the fuel for it was from a very limited and very uh, problematic space. Whereas I think when we, you know, are moving because – we want to, you know, maintain our body's mobility or because it feels good for our mental health or because we need the stretch or because we need the fresh air or whatever it is to to really fuel our bodies in the most like amazing way. I think that has been the reframe of it has been so impactful for me and I know that that can be 
charged and and everyone is obviously so individual and I think that's why talking about this stuff can be so challenging because you know like yours and my experiences are varied and every single person that is going through or has been through an eating disorder or a negative relationship with fitness like it's so individual and that's why I like it's it's almost so hard to talk about this stuff and that's why I love that you do so openly and obviously you can only really speak to your own experience but that creates a space for other people to do the same and I think yeah. that at the end of the day that's the most important thing um and why like I get the the feeling of like, oh, I don't want to see these, these, you know, pictures of people with their donuts. And also for them, that might be a really empowering share in that moment. And so it's this really bizarre push-pull. And I think ultimately it just comes back to what you said about being intentional with who you are following and what you're consuming. Because only you, as, as the person who is listening right now, you're the only person that knows what you need when, yeah. at the end of the day. And what is yeah. going to serve you or not. Yeah, I agreed. And you're also in charge of your own emotions in a lot, you know, although in charge is kind of like a blunt word. I mean, emotions f- go up and down and sometimes I have no idea why I feel the shit that I feel. Totally, yeah. <laughs> hormones. But, yeah, hormones, right? <laughs> yeah. But I do feel like, yeah, I feel like I don't, I've gotten very good at being less triggered by online media like by even in the recovery community because the recovery community is not perfect a lot of us are still trying to figure out our own shit and yeah we post empowering posts that may not be super helpful for other people but are actually empowering for us and that's how I try to reframe it sometimes Mm. is like I'll reframe if I see something that I think is problematic personally I'm not going to go around like go completely like berserk on someone's comment thread and troll them about it like I've seen other huge influencers do that shit and I think that is fucking awful to be honest I have a lot of opinions about certain influencers in this space but that's for another day and I I, yeah and it's like to me I'm like you know what if that was empowering for them good for them maybe it was problematic for me but if it works for them it works for them because at the end of the day like I'm not here to tell anybody how to recover all I'm asking is that people try And it's like, they don't have to follow. I'm not asking anyone to follow my shit. I just write, (laughs) like, I just write what comes to my head and hopefully spark some conversation sometimes, which is all I really want to do is spark a seed of perspective. And maybe it's not even, maybe it's a a perspective that then I plant, but then someone else helps grow in the comment thread. And that's like the most beautiful thing about it. But that's what a community is all about, you know? And I think that is something I've seen you do so beautifully. And I, I just I I love witnessing what you create online and also what the people within your community contribute. Like I will never forget there was a post that you you made it not long ago and I want to share another one of your posts in a second too because I I want to speak like speak your words out loud on here because it just really hit m- my heart. But there was a a photo of you holding a bunch of cereal boxes. Yeah. And I think this was when I first like was reintroduced to you because I was like introduced to you a long time ago and then I like refound your space and I was like oh gosh I really need to like get in this woman's sphere again because fuck she's amazing and it it hit me like a ton of bricks because I realized I hadn't eaten cereal <laughs> I'm gonna cry I, I realized I hadn't eaten cereal in like years because for the longest time, it was what I would come home at the end of rehearsal after a really long day of acting and like being exhausted 
and I would binge my face off of cereal boxes and like just eat the crap out of them. And I remember feeling so much shame and so much guilt around it and you holding up cereal boxes and being like, I can eat this now, you know, and like talking about that and that that was a like a quote trigger food. I don't know if that's the correct terminology yeah. or, or fear food. I know sometimes is, you know, um, spoken to in the, in the ED recovery world, but like for me, it, I realized that it was, and I went out and I bought a fucking box of cereal that day. Also, I love fucking hearing that. Oh, makes me so happy. You know, cause oh. I was just like, why? Like I, I, and it's, I still have moments now where I go through these things and I don't realize that I'm still in that space in certain ways. And that really like brought a light to me. And it just, yeah, I just really appreciate the little things like that, that like, I didn't even know I needed to read. Well, if you look at to, just to add to that, there is a really interesting comment on that post um, from the CEO of Project Heal. She and I are actually friends um, in real life, and um, she's an amazing, lovely, lovely person. Uh, but she wrote on it about how cereal is, uh, she's convinced that cereal is one of the most common kind of trigger foods and, and binge foods for people because it's something related to childhood yeah. or something related to like the safety of adolescence, et cetera. But she was, she, it's an interesting comment interesting. there that I'm not doing justice, but um, you should go and read it because yeah. it was cereal is in this is what I love about being able to write is that I'm always trying to look for the little ways that eating disorders show mm. up that you don't even fucking realize until you're reading it from somebody else or until someone's relating back to you totally. like sharing food I just did a huge post on sharing food and I was like shocked at how many people w- related to that and I was sh- I mean, I'm just like oh okay cool so that is probably something I need to work on because it means that there's some blind spot there. Yeah. And also a lot of people go through this shit and I'm really thankful that I'm in community with people that get it because mm-hmm. it really pisses off my partner. And um, I can't explain why it irritates me so much to share food, but it's definitely related to the eating disorder beliefs and, and traits and behaviors. And it's been something that I'm like, okay, how can I try to like challenge that? This little, just little, little bitty part of yeah. recovery that I haven't challenged yet. I so yeah Ugh. it's just fun it's fun to have community that can relate because cereal is a huge topic for people it and makes I didn't me also that. think like pizza is also I know a big one it was for me and I, I I feel like that also thinking about the childhood component I'm like we had pizza at birthday parties like that was the main food like interesting I had never yeah clicked those in my brain okay I want to read this post because I have a feeling a lot of you will re- will resonate with this and I just want to speak your if you, if you if I can have your permission to speak your words real quick because it is it just really really like brought chills to my spine. So so Lindsay wrote, "None of us walked into the eating disorder cycle knowingly. We walked into it because we were not educated on how restriction and dieting affect the brain. We developed a cycle because we were praised when we first lost weight." And that validation was addicting and the messaging behind it powerful. And somewhere in that celebration, a voice emerged. Everything is praising me now. So what must they have thought before? In the end, we fell into a cycle because anorexia is unsustainable. And when we inevitably gained weight back, we panicked. And we tried to lose more to sequester the panic. And we ate erratically. We worked out to exhaustion. We purged when we felt guilty. And when we felt elation from starving, we didn't understand that the brain serves to protect and will if you're hurting it. 
We are the product of a society ill-informed, and we learned the hard way that misinformation and commenting on other people's weight loss is a dangerous use of words, a powerful cycle, as millions of us can attest. Thank you for reading it like that. I never get to read my words out loud. (laughs) I just, like... I, this speaks to what we were talking about earlier around like the world at large that we live in and why this exists. But I, I just think the fact that you link it to how our brain works is something that so few people understand and is something that I'm so passionate around because it's not – I feel like so often we feel like it's our fault that we enter into these phases and these cycles. Um, and I just – I love that you speak to that so openly because – it is literally biological that that our bodies and our brains, which are connected, they are connected. Please, I want to remind you of that. Like they are connected. Like I, that that exists and that that happens for that reason. And that like I feel like I held so much shame and I know so many people that do because I felt like I could have avoided it. I could have been stronger, you know? Yeah, I, I told – I mean – it's hard and that's how I feel is that none of us wanted to walk into this coming out with physical health mental health problems and now brains that we have to retrain Um, but we weren't educated on how to read we weren't educated on what restriction does or dieting or that diets don't fucking work none of we didn't even have that research though whenever that started to become a huge thing and the fad diets and all these diets that started becoming this huge part of American society and abroad as well, but I can only speak to America. Yeah. And and in turn, it left millions of us in an epidemic. I mean, we're in an eating disorder epidemic is, is how I look at it. And I don't want to take away from the opiate epidemic actually being an epidemic, but uh, eating disorders are. I think they're one of the most prevalent mental health issues in I think so much of it goes undiagnosed because people can't afford fucking treatment in this country or in England or in Canada or other places either and so millions of us just walk around with disordered eating at best and eating disorders at worst that we either have to climb our way out of through our own means or that we end up do getting to get help but then we're in debt for the help that we've been trying to get when it feels a lot like kind of that it was inevitable that a lot of us even fell into it in the first place. And yeah, I just wish, you know, the brain is a huge part of recovery for me um, because I didn't understand what restriction did to the brain and doing the research that I've been able to get to do and interviewing some of the researchers I've been able to interview for articles and shit over the years has been like super impactful for my recovery, which is why I try to share it as often as I can. Um, I get shit Mm -hmm. sometimes because I don't cite enough, but it's, I sometimes can't exactly remember which where you learned it yeah which research from so and and again that's why like not everything you read online is should be taken as complete word but it's in my notes somewhere or I found it somewhere when I was researching so um yeah I think the brain understanding the brain is a crucial part of being able to recover from eating disorder Mm, I love that I I I love that I just I think that that's so vital and I love that you speak to that so openly and that's just another reason to follow you. So all of y'all need to go do that. <laughs> I want to, before we get to the like fast, fun questions at the end, which will obviously yeah. switch gears, but I'm curious being in this pandemic land that we are in and continue to be in, 
Yeah. I have had a few conversations with um, some of my like dear friends who I've connected with over eating disorders. And I, you know, consider myself, like I said, a re- you know, recovering in this process. But I, f- I feel like I've, I'm many years into my recovery process. And I imagine that if this had happened in 2015 when I was starting to take steps or, or maybe even not having gotten to that place yet – that the the climate of the world would have very, very intensely impacted my relationship with my body and my food. And I'm curious if you've noticed a shift in your community's feedback or um, what people are reaching out to you around that space because I, I cannot even fathom like being in that world myself amidst this time. Yeah. Ugh. I, yeah. <laughs> Um, I think mostly every, I think everyone, obviously everyone in general has been affected mental health wise by this. You can't get through nine months of the pandemic and not have completely not be struggling off and on with certain feelings of doom, gloom, jadedness and, and our political climate and our climate change. That's, you know, we have, I mean, there's smoke outside my window right now because we just are living in a complete <sighs> haze of smoke from the California fires. And yeah, it's a, I wouldn't, you know, even for myself, I've had ups and downs throughout this, but the general feedback I'm getting back, I'm getting is that I've gotten a lot that recovery has been harder for people for sure. And I think that's, that's a given. Um, But I do also think I, and in that same sentence, I want to say that I've, I've received feedback of people that almost like because they got the space because we were all quarantined for a while and some people are still you know really quarantined but the world has opened back up a little bit more than it was mm-hmm. um even though it feels like more doom and gloom is coming uh but mm-hmm. uh for those months that things were quarant- like really hardcore lockdown quarantine um there was some positive feedback that I do want to share here because I think it was cool to see that certain people like me like I had to lose the gym and that was fucking great for me mm. and I think other people went through that too, actually. I got a lot of feedback of people that were like, oh, wow, like leaving the gym was a super impactful part of this quarantine. Um, Mm -hmm. And that some people were able to focus a little bit more on, you know, because like things I did in the quarantine were like, I tried to develop some more hobbies. I wasn't working either. I was unemployed. So I was just living, you know, I was on a, I was on unemployment and just trying to figure out every day was just the same. And I, it actually gave me some time and space to like, I grew a garden for the first time I I went back to playing piano a lot more often Mm. than I do and so in ways like yeah I don't know I think it's been a mixed bag um I think everyone's been affected negatively in some capacity I think it's impossible not to but yeah I do think that like some people's recoveries have gotten stronger and I think some people have struggled more because maybe they didn't have the community or the and they were in anxiety is a prevalent feeling for all of us <laughs> yeah, and um, anxiety can really hinder, you know, recovery growth. Totally. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think I've talked about this and maybe I shared this in my Instagram. It was months ago now, but like I, there was one point where I was so stressed and so overwhelmed by it all that like I totally had a binge episode and it was very interesting because it had been a couple years since I had had one. But what I what I found for myself, and granted, I'm very far into the process, like I said, of recovery, but I, there wasn't like the shame around it like there used to be. I, I acknowledged I didn't, I wasn't conscious about what was happening to my body and what I was consuming. 
Um, and I definitely ate to a point of me feeling very not great. And the next day, none of my actions were impacted by that choice. And to me, that was like, that was a moment of of my recovery. Well, I'm getting emotional. That was a moment of my recovery that I didn't expect to have because I didn't realize that I could feel that on another side because it had just been so long since I've actually been through a, a binge, you know? Yeah. Um, I know yeah. those are hard. It's that tick. I call it the binge tick. I've never had a tick as loud as the binge tick. Yeah. The binge tick is a very, very She's a beast. Noisy, noisy little fucker that sits in your ear all day and it is really hard to like like it, it provides a lot of high anxiety, at least for me when I have that tick. Mm. I haven't had it in a long time either, actually, which is a beautiful testament to being in recovery for long enough that that some of that's faded backwards, yeah. um, which is nice. But man, I will never forget the tick. I've written about the tick a lot because it consumes you. It's yeah. like really hard to not act on too. Totally. Yeah. Oh. Just, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Like, yeah. well, So many feels. It's brought out so much. Like I, I love, I love talking to you about this stuff and I know a lot of you listening can probably identify in some way with a lot of what we've said, what we've spoken about. And I just, I hope it reminds you that um, one, you are not alone in this experience. Um, I think that is constantly the most important thing to remember as humans. We are not alone. And also there to follow people who remind you of that. Um, so please, please, please get in Lindsay's space. Um, and just, yeah, it's, it's, it's it's hard it's hard to navigate and it it never stops being hard you know um but we are so 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 able to like navigate it with intention um with the right tools and the right people in our corner so yeah and you know and it keeps shifting and somebody asked me today so it's it's interesting like way to end to wrap up what you just said like Someone asked me today in my comments, they said something like, because I was talking about quasi recovery, which is actually, it's, that's getting an interesting amount of debate too. So it's something I'm learning. People don't really like that word. So I need to figure out a different Mm. way to say it because quasi recovery sounds like it's a fate, like it's like that you have to go through that to get to the next part. Um, And I think that's very ED of us to keep trying to name every single thing. Totally. (laughs) Try to put definitions. It's also very human, I think. Like, we tend to like to have labels and definitions. Yeah. Yeah, that's going. It's very fucking human. So I'm actually getting quite a lot of interesting feedback um, about people not liking the word quasi recovery. So Mm, learning that today. Um, But but somebody asked me when you were in like quote quasi recovery, did you know you were in it or is it just afterwards that looking back, you can see it. Yeah. And I said, I love that question. I think it was a bit more in retrospect. I felt like, well, I'm eating my meals and I'm not purging or binge eating. So I'm in recovery, which is true. It was, but there was still a lot of limiting beliefs keeping me tied to ED and I imagine that in six more years, I'll look back at me now and still be like, wow, I've grown since then too. Mm. And I, that's, I could never have known. You can't know what you're going to grow. <laughs> like totally. you can't even fucking envision it when yeah. you're going through it. All you can do is continue to fight the monotony step of recovery. Step. Yep. Recovery is monotonous and like at times, and all you can do is keep fighting it until you can look back in years and recognize and see it and you don't know there's never all these like climactic moments i'm just appalled, amazed at where i am right now looking back and seeing yeah. it where i got to totally. and so yeah i love that it's, it's so important okay yeah. you ready for fun fun fast questions before we oh, wrap yeah. this up okay 
what so I've been asking this to everybody because I'm just like it's been such a wild time so I'm curious what has what's the biggest lesson that this pandemic has taught you personally oh man uh biggest lesson that the pandemic has taught me um sorry can I think of, wait, can I sit on this for just like two yeah, seconds yeah, yeah. <laughs> take take your time oh okay I think if I were to like encapsulate what the pandemic has taught me thus far, it's that I try a lot to rush through my life instead of just feeling my life while I'm in it. Mm. Um, and though I don't always like the feelings that this pandemic has brought up for anyone or me or most mm-hmm. people, um, it has. I have been grateful for the opportunity over the last nine months or eight months, however long God we've been in this. Um, Too long. <laughs> to be to be not rushing through life. Um, I used to travel all the, right before the pandemic, I was traveling. I was in Europe. I was in Africa whenever Trump shut down the country. Oh my God. Uh, but so I, I traveled all the time and I think I used travel almost as a means of never having to sit still. I and that. Yeah. 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 And uh, I've been grateful for the time. Mm-hmm. So that's been a huge lesson. Um, and to like love the life that you have while you have it or to appreciate not all parts of it but you know like I do miss life before the pandemic um life is fucking harder now and it is it's not easy and to not smile at people on the street is still really difficult for me mentally and so yeah I'm trying to even in this pandemic appreciate what it's given me I had to keep a gratitude journal and that's been really helpful mm, I love that but yeah so that, that's kind of that's what I'd say right now. Good answer. Good answer. Okay. What is the current thing in your life that you can't get enough of? Yoga. <laughs> I I just, I love yoga so much right now. Um, it's really, really helped me. And yeah. I have scoliosis really bad. And it's mm. really been helping me um, with my back issues. It's been helping me with my neck issues. It's helping me sleep better. Yeah, I, it's helping me, God, just like, calm down yeah. every time you start getting a cramp. Yeah, I love it. I love it too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you could be a fictional character for a day, who would you be and why? Probably Zelda Fitzgerald. Ooh. <laughs> not fictional. It's a real I was about person. to say she she okay. existed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I just, I fucking, I've always said I'd be one of Hemingway's wives. Mm, I love <laughs> like, that. Uh, yeah, um, I, even though he's a total asshole. Totally. Like, I, I love that time period in history. Um, have you seen Midnight? I'm sure you have. Midnight in Paris, the movie. Yes, 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 yes. So I good. just, yeah, I don't know. I, I probably idealize that time period too much, but I really like it. I don't know. I think, uh, I think sometimes we just, as like our energies, like feel sometimes like we were meant to be in other times. So I feel that. Yeah, feel that as well. But yeah, fictional character. <sighs> Questions are good. <laughs> I got mad skills. I don't know. I, know. Zelda, I mean, Zelda Fitzgerald is legit. Like, it doesn't have to be. She's like fictional in some places. <laughs> Like yeah. she's written in fiction, and I feel like she's been fictionalized. <laughs> totally. So you sometimes you think of her that way. I feel that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm trying. I'm looking at all my books on my bookshelf right now. Um, I or it could be like a TV show or yeah, movie. What TV shows have you watched recently? <laughs> Shit's Creek. <laughs> 
for sure i was watching that as well i watch a lot of like murder documentaries so oh like, murder for movies. sure have you seen <laughs> oh my gosh have you seen you guys all have to listen to the, watch this because it's crazy the uh, american murder on netflix yeah already saw it oh my god <laughs> Yep, already watched it. Watch already it. Watched it. If, just stop everything you're doing right now and go watch it. It is insane. Yep, already been all over that. Cool. So um, let's I'm not be one movie. of those fiction. There are for those. Wait, those are real people too. Real. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Last question of the day. Cool. What does it mean to you to live your fuck yes life? Yeah, I knew, I knew that one was coming. Always. <laughs> um, to live my fuck yes life, I think. I think that definition will always evolve um, and I'm comfortable. That's actually like living fuck yes to me is knowing that that allowing that definition of life to keep evolving because uh, what I wanted out of life even two years ago is different than what I think I want out of life right now. Mm. Um, but I think my fuck yes life is consistently taking risk, um, like going freelance or, you know, et cetera, starting a new hobby and being afraid of failing at it and having imposter syndrome <laughs> and, and still doing it anyway so I think it for me fuck yes is a a nice mix of adventure risk and and uh and learning and being open to learning and being open to being wrong as we were saying earlier yeah and so that's that's a nice like concise fuck yes for me (laughs) I love it oh so good okay You've been amazing. I love you so much. I really, really appreciate you coming on and talking so openly about stuff that's hard. It's really hard. And you you advocate for it every day, so it's probably desensitized for you in some certain ways. But, like, it's it can be a lot to dive into this shit and also to receive it. So thank you for all of you listening as well. And I know that everyone who may not already follow you will probably want to get into your sphere. So can you let everyone know how they can find you online and, and connect with you and all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, so you can go to my blog. It's I haven't shaved in six weeks.com. Never, never gets old saying that. <laughs> and, and um, or you can find me on Instagram at Lindsay Hall writes um, L I N D S E Y Hall H A L and then writes like writing. And um, yeah, or you can send me an email at Lindsay Hall blog at gmail.com too. I'm it'll probably be two days before I get back to you, but I'll get back to you. <laughs> Terrible at answering shit. So Amazing. <laughs> yeah. And all that will be in the show notes for you guys. So go ahead over there and check out. Thank you so much for being here. You're so awesome. Cool. Thank you. And there you have it. Thank you, Lindsay, so much for coming on the pod and speaking so openly about this really challenging topic um, and one that is so so fucking important and so near and dear to my heart Um, I adore you and thank you uh, for all of you listening for being present and opening your minds to this whether you are navigating this yourself or um, just want to learn more and uh, here are two two recovery babes um, chatting about their personal uh, experiences through this Um, as always you can check out everything we talked about in today's episode over at the show notes um, or you can head to Amanda Catherine dot com forward slash podcast forward slash one zero eight and uh also if you just want to be super fucking fancy which is the way i always do it just head to whatever um scroll down to whatever um you listen to your podcasts on whether that's itunes or your podcast app of choice or uh spotify i know some of you are on there um and all the show notes are there for you as well uh i adore you all and uh another just beautiful reminder um to take Uh, the next little bit um, as we are not together next week um, and just give yourself a little grace and space to 
find some presence and cultivate a little grounding. And if you need that extra support and or don't know where to fucking start with that, you can always, always snag your replay ticket to the Live Your Fuckiest Life Summit. Again, that's at amandacatherineloy.com forward slash summit. Or again, you can just check it out in the show notes. I've got you. We've got this. And as always, I'll see you on the Instagram. And until then, bye-bye. <laughs>